Welcome into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos, joining you today from the Coachella Invitational. An absolutely spectacular day. We're here in the uh, Coachella Valley, the Indio Valley, about 140 miles due east of Los Angeles. So I got in my car. And by the way, it had been raining three straight days here in uh, Southern California. So uh, it, the weather's been foul. But you always know, and listen, I don't want to make light of the weather because I know a lot of people are struggling out there and property damage and mudslides and um, I hope everyone's okay. But the day after, it is one of those days where it's, you see everything in this, this area, every mountaintop, every blade of grass, every, what is it, a flake of snow. It's mind-blowing. You just realize the beauty of this area. So wherever you're ever out, if you're ever around, and we're going to plan on visiting Southern California, if you did it after a rain, you will see it in its full majesty. I don't know why I don't come down here more often. I think I've been here once before to see some games. It wasn't as organized as it was now. I mean, I'm here. There's a couple thousand fans here. There's games staggered all day. I'm watching Charlotte LA Galaxy. It's about to end. Then I'm going to shift over to New York City, FC, San Jose. And then after that, I'm going to see LAFC and St. Louis City. So uh, there is a, a lot to watch. And then I'll probably have a little dinner and head back. Uh, again, I made it two hours. I, I, good pace. One bathroom stop. Two hours and eight minutes. Not bad. Not bad at all. And very glad I am here. My only regret is I should have bought some sunscreen, which was sitting there in my living room. And I stepped over it. So we will give you some of uh, the sights and sounds here of the uh, Coachella Invitational. I've been here a couple times for the music festival, and it's given me some heebie-jeebies, some flashbacks, namely just being a little overserved by the end of the music festival and not really having a place to go and end up sleeping in your car. I hate to admit that, but was I going to drive? Uh, and eventually finding a place to stay and then going the next morning. This was in my younger and more formative years when I had nothing, didn't have two pennies to pinch. Oh, nice play there by uh, Galaxy Midfielder. They're getting caned up here, though, 3-zip. There's Galaxy fans. I've seen a bunch of LAFC fans. Uh, a good Juan, who you know from social media, we finally got to meet. So uh, uh, excited to, uh, to have met him. He's a, he's a very good follow on Twitter, very funny. He was very serious when I saw him. But I know he's very funny because he just cracks jokes all the time. And that's why I follow so uh, made it in a good cadence. So we'll give you more of the, uh, yeah, the music festival. It's just a spectacular, I mean, I don't know how they keep this grass so green, but they do. They have obviously really good, uh, for lack of a better word, plumbing. So uh, it's a nice place to be. Certainly to watch soccer, which I'll enjoy this afternoon. But we'll talk a little bit. At the end of the program in Check Complete, I will discuss the uh, Lionel Messi the Lionel Messi slash Inter Miami tour of the world. You know, it's getting uh, some interesting uh, criticism, some interesting feedback. There should be no criticism. To me, I'll explain to you where it should be, where it should lie in uh, your head, and uh, why MLS, if they have an opportunity like this, should do it again. So we'll talk about that in check complete. I will have some conversations with some people here throughout the afternoon and i also will talk a little bit in the next segment about asian cup and afcon we have our finalists set some interesting data about those two games 
We will also talk about what's happening in the world of football. It's all going to be ramping up. Champions League coming around the corner. Uh, Nations League in March. Great guests coming up in the next few weeks. I'm really excited to share that with you. But we are going to get started here from the Coachella Invitational. In Coachella. Time to get pinned back. I'm just kidding. We don't do that anymore. This is, uh, it's all about the soccer. And some fun guests to come up. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend of the podcast. The numbers have been great lately, internationally in particular. So keep them coming. Keep the love. I appreciate you. And I'll work harder for you. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Barreto. So there'll be a lot of videos coming out. We do it at least twice a week now. So stay tuned. Talk to you in a moment. The Rundown is next. Time now for the rundown. I took it indoors. We'll get you back out to uh, Coachella shortly uh, to listen to some great interviews from the folks that were there. I've got to bring some sunscreen, so I'm already a little bit sunburnt, but that's okay because I've just been dealing with four straight days of rain in Los Angeles. I want to talk about what's happening in the, uh, the world of football. Two big competitions, obviously, that we have touched on. The Asian Cup, African Cup of Nations have reached their finals and some really interesting developments in what we have seen. So I want to touch on both of those. Before we get back out to Coachella. Later on, check complete. We'll talk about the Lionel Messi Inter-Miami tour that so many people are so invested in. It is front page material everywhere they go. And they just love to shell it. I'll give you the I'll give you the lowdown on it, all right? I'll give you the lowdown. Let me talk about the Asian Cup and AFCON. I think there's one discussion going on about these tournaments happening at the same time. Would it be better if they were happening separately? Probably, uh, they kind of got shoehorned into this early time. And by the way, we're going to have a similar thing with the Copa America and the Euros. You're not going to be able to see everything. You're not. Um, which is a shame because you want the world football fan to see as much as possible and get acclimated. I don't care if you're from England or Argentina or Singapore or Canada. These competitions, if you get a chance to see them, I think most people would. You know, obviously, they're working, so they can't. Uh, but... This is a very good level of soccer. I want to start with the Asian Cup. We know that Jordan, ranked 87th in the world, will face Qatar in the final. And we'll get to AFCON, where Nigeria will face Ivory Coast. All four of these countries, incredible stories in their own right, uh, and to how they got their final. I will say something that happened in both finals, which bodes well for the United States in the summertime, as well as Germany, for that matter, is the host made the final. And I would imagine that the hosts are going to win both finals with Qatar in the Asian Cup and Ivory Coast. I think they are the favorites and should lift the trophies, I think, pretty clean. All due respect to the Nigerian contingent there. By the way, I I tweeted it earlier and I said it. The world of football is better when the Super Eagles are soaring and Nigeria is doing right in that category. But... uh, This Ivory Coast team, which we'll get to, I've never seen anything like it. But let's start with the Asian Cup. And another thing, I'm going to loop in both tournaments before I single out in either one of them. I am aware and I am on board that the best chance to get your players ready for major competitions is for them to play in the best leagues in the world. Those leagues reside in Europe. I don't think there's an argument there. I'm not trying to be cute here by any means, but there is something to be said If you can get players playing on the same team, in the same league, where they are all accessible to each other, if you have to make a camp, maybe you can bring them all together in a hunch, in in, in a 
in a flick of a switch, that is another way to be successful in these competitions. Jordan is going to be playing Qatar in the Asian Cup final. Those two countries combined have one player playing in uh, the European leagues. And it's not exactly a top player. You guys know who it is? Yeah, of course. It's uh, my man, the number 10, El Tamari. Who, uh, I mean, by the way, uh, Al Naimat has been great. Al Tamari, who is 26, plays at Montpellier in France. That's it. All the Qataris play in the Qatari League. And the Jordanians play um, in a variety of leagues, but a lot of play in Jordan. In the AFCON, the, obviously Nigeria has a lot, and Ivory Coast have a lot of European-based players. South Africa made the semifinals, and South Africa was an incredible story. Because not only do most of those players play in uh, uh, both those guys players play in South Africa. I think eight of eleven players play in a, the same club, the Manalodi Sundowns, who were fantastic. So whoever was doing South African football in the situation where there wasn't enough uh, top talent, you go with the familiarity. It's paid off for South Africa. It paid well. It paid off for South Africa. They're done. It's paid off for Qatar. It is paid off for Jordan. South Africa, by the way, Ronwen Williams, to me, was the best player of the tournament. Uh, he, was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he got them through uh, Cape Verde, was it, in the, uh, in the semifinals. That was uh, amazing to see what he was able to do. I think, say, four penalties, had an incredible save in that game. South Africa, very competitive against Nigeria, six shots on target. So he's been my, he's been my guy. But... I'm not trying to be cute here, but there, to say that the players play in Europe is just the click. There's something to be said about familiarity. There's also something to be said about accessibility. And there's also something to be said about the ease of getting guys together. And that may bode well, not, not anymore, because the whole U.S. team plays overseas, with the exception of maybe one or two. That it'd be, it's, you have an opportunity to get guys together to to motivate them, to maneuver them in a position very quickly where they can all be under the same roof at the same time. So that's at play here. And and I mentioned Jordan and Qatar have one European-based player. I think I did the math. Japan and Korea combined have 34 European-based players. And those two, Korea made the semis but never really looked good. And Japan fell short of that. So... Iran had a ton of European-based players. They were a big favorite over Qatar, but the Qataris got by them. I want to say this about Qatar as well. What happened to them in the World Cup, we make fun of them, but that had to be an aberration. Everything that happened before the World Cup said that they were an excellent team. They may have just got a little, they may have just got overwhelmed, but they won the Asian Cup before the World Cup. They played in the Copa America. They played in the Gold Cup. They played well. They almost beat the United States in the Gold Cup semifinals. Remember that? They, uh, which means they, they could have easily won the Gold Cup. And then since then, they end up hosting this competition and they're through the finals. And I believe they are going to win it. They've had some nice calls their way. They haven't, re- I mean, uh, Alafif is just, a, I mean, he was like five goals, three assists. He's such a great player. I'd love to see him play in Europe, but I'm sure the money in Qatar is so good 
that he is not going to do that. So Qatar is... Jordan has been so impressive, and they're so fun to watch. By the way, I hope you've been able to watch some of it. Definitely watch the uh, the finals coming up this weekend. If Jordan can do it, I mean, they're doing enough to suggest that they should make the the World Cup. All of these these games now, you you connect them to World Cup qualifying and hope that Nigeria can play this way at the World Cup, and Ivory Coast can, and Jordan can, and I think Qatar should be able to qualify for the World Cup, even though they aren't going to host it. So Saturday, the Jordan-Qatar game is for the Asian Cup final. And the final from AFCON is going to be... And there is a third-place game there. There isn't a third-place game in the Asian Cup. Sunday. So you get to see both of them. Nigeria and the Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast playing well. Let's flick over to AFCON. And... That's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Nigeria is weird because we think of Aussie Man, who's been great. Adamola Lukman, who's been one of the players of the tournament. But the reason they are making their way through this tournament is they don't give up goals. And I don't think we identify their defense as a strength by any means. But that has been a big part of it. That is why Nigeria is making it through. You hope they can defend that well. Uh, they, I think they play with a back three, and then they have the wing backs that can help them out in the line to uh, to repel anything in their path. So um, there's talent there, but, I mean, the midfield talent's not great. I don't think anyone thought Nigeria was going to make a final so they could get a good run. All their talent uh, really resides at the front with Lukman, who works well, with Osimen coming off the bench, uh, Ianacho and Chukweze. Um Joe Aribo as well, another one who could play in the midfield. Good players, but more on the attacking end. Yet, here we are. I think you know, they allowed a goal against South Africa in the semis, didn't allow a goal in the quarters or the round of 16. And now I want to talk about the Ivory Coast because they've garnered the nickname Zombies because they really have risen from the dead. They are the walking dead, which makes them a very dangerous team because if you have already been left for dead... Um, you are living on borrowed time. You are don't fear death. It makes you very, very dangerous. They they made it to the round of sixteen. They they lost to Equatorial Guinea by four goals to nil. They were done, and they were the final third place team to make the round of sixteen. Much like Portugal did when they won the Euros back in twenty twelve. Was it twenty twelve? Twenty sixteen. So. Um, they, which brings up an interesting conversation or argument, third place teams, is it, you don't want a third place team in the knockouts. We're going to get it in the world cup. We're getting it here because of the odd number of teams. You don't have 32 teams. You don't have 64. Uh, you have 24 teams at the AFCON. You're going to have 48 at the world cup. So third place teams will make it through. And maybe, you know, this is a nice, this is not an isolated incident. Portugal did it. Ivory coast did it. You can, I mean, Ivory Coast did it by the skin of their teeth. You don't want to skate by in the groups. There's no reason, there's no way to believe that Ivory Coast did this intentionally. They fired their coach. So this is a legit getting out of the grave situation. You know, they lost in uh, to Equatorial Guinea in match day three. They lost to Nigeria. So remember, there's a rematch of the group games. So 
Equatorial Guinea wins that group, and then Ivory Coast finishes third. They beat Senegal in penalties, beat Mali, beat the Democratic Republic of the Congo, who did a wonderful gesture where they put their fingers to the head um, in brotherhood to what's happening in the Eastern Congo. I'm not educated on what that is. I'm going to read more about it. But, I mean, obviously, the minute you saw it on the screen, you realize this is something that is probably going to put them in some peril. And these players were incredibly brave to do that, and I salute them for it. Um, the Congo wasn't really impressed by them. I don't know. It's almost amazing they made the semis, but they did, and they gave the Ivory Coast a real run. Sebastian Haller's goal was he thump? It was it was like a hack, like an like he was a lumberjack hitting the tree, and the ball bounces over the keeper, and it goes in. But the Ivory Coast are fearless. It is, you've seen that in the knockouts. They are hosting the tournament. They got a new coach. I think they win this game, and they probably win it by a couple goals. And we haven't seen anything like this. I mean, the Ivory Coast were dead, figuratively. And they have risen from the grave. It's been a lot of fun. So enjoy the Asian Cup, the AFCON, while it is still here. We're going to get back out to Coachella. Before we do that, I did want to mention that Gio Reyna came on. He played about, what, 12, 13 minutes. We don't have enough of a sample size, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But he's off and running. He's doing a lot of PR. He looks happy. I think we'll get to see a better look at uh, what he will be able to do. And the, uh, as we mentioned last week in Check Complete, the the uh, they were in the FA Cup uh, today um, and advanced in penalties, which is good because that means uh, more games for Gio, who uh, did not play in that game against Bristol City which was a surprise packet, that is for sure. I didn't watch it. I was out of Coachella, sorry. So uh, Nottingham Forest will move on. And now they their, their big issue, I think making the FA Cup, what is it, the round of 16 or 8? Probably not the, uh, the best uh, thing for them when they really have to focus on the survival. So they'll be back in action Saturday at home against Newcastle. Their big game down the road, to me, is Luton Town March 16th. There's a lot of games, so we'll get a good look at Gio Reyna. I don't think he'll start now, but he'll get bigger minutes. It really depends on how the guys in front of him are playing. They've been okay, but they haven't been great this season. We'll see that moving forward. Morgan Gibbs-White, Alanga, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, etc., so that's something I'm certainly keeping an eye on. So enjoy all the football. We're going to take you back out to Coachella. Make sure you stick around for Check Complete to talk about Messi and the Miami Tour. Back here at the uh, Coachella Valley Invitation. You can hear all the sounds. I'm in the midst of watching St. Louis City LAFC final match of the day. I'm joined by Glenn Crooks, who called the New York City-San Jose game. Is that correct? That's right, man. That's right. All right. Hi, Max. How was that calling preseason? It was good because I'm in Indio, California doing it. And, uh, you know, with a background of uh, foothills, snow-capped mountains, palm trees, wonderful to be here. Glenn, of course, of the Coaching Academy here on Sirius XM. Uh, been coaching. How long have you been coaching in this, this game? 1980, <laughs> I took a boys club team in my hometown, the Somerset Hills Soccer Club. I had no idea what I was doing, but the parents liked me anyway. But and, and then it went from there. <laughs> I mean, you know everyone. Everyone in coaching circles know who Glenn Crooks is. You have, I mean, to use a data reference, you've got the coaching Rolodex that everyone would want. Yeah, I, um, 
my show in particular has just been so much you, fun. You book at, man. Yeah, it's. I, I get to talk to a lot of great people, but also people that might not be that well known because I my thing is, and I get a lot of people on LinkedIn, you know, where I see they're doing certain things. I'll I'll get, I'll get connected with them, and because I really do believe everybody who's really into it, passionate about it and is a good listener and a good learner they they have something to offer so i go with that but uh yeah i've had you know some of the people i've had on it's been fantastic oh i, sh I should use the linkedin uh avenue i've i've not i'm not on linkedin enough well you have but you have enough jobs max because <laughs> a lot of times you're on there to find work but you're, you're okay in that department you never know when you're going to need that job so i think it's good to keep up appearances there so i shall be doing it uh, I, I would be remiss if I just, we're not watching here. We're in Los, the Los Angeles area, and the World Cup uh, hosting venues were announced for the important games. L.A. made it, despite the fact that many were saying that uh, it was going to be held out. I don't know what kind of business went on between SoFi Stadium and FIFA, but uh, they got games in L.A. That's all that matters. New Jersey gets the final. Yeah, baby. Can we say New York, New Jersey? Because we were saying New York. No. Does that get you bent out of shape? My favorite thing about uh, Greg Berhalter's press conference that day is that he said, if it were up to me, I would call it New Jersey, but I'm going to have to recognize FIFA, New York, New Jersey. They even named New York first. The damn game's going to be played in New Jersey, Max. As do the Giants and the Jets in the NFL, even though they're the New York Jets, New York Giants. We get a little testy about that in the Garden State, but... Uh, <laughs> Nonetheless, it's right down the road from where I live, and uh, I, it, but I really, it, I, it's really exciting, and it gave me a jolt because I was one of those guys who watched the Cosmos play in the late 70s and early 80s. I was at the stadium. I was with the 70 or 80,000 that were watching these games, and that really, in many ways, was kind of the start of the passion of it. Even though it faded, you know, dissolved, and then came back later with MLS, it's, uh, that, those were great times, and it really... I really started reliving some of that just when that after that after the announcement. We had a uh, we had a goal call back because of encroachment, which you don't see. But I said immediately, that's what you want to get out of your system in preseason. PK encroachment. <laughs> Did you see in Belgium? There's going to be a complete replay of a game. Gank and Anderlecht. Schmeichel <laughs> saved the penalty, but both teams encroached, and the referees got it wrong. The VAR got it wrong. And then they're going to replay that's the game. That could be a ground. precedent setting, Max. Oh, that's not There good. might be a replay in MLS this year. We'll see. I mean, well, in the Premier League, that was, it was one of the Liverpool decisions where the referee said we made it, we made the wrong call. And yeah, but I, that wasn't a game replay. This, the full match is going to be replayed. But I'm saying maybe if this sets a precedent, yeah. maybe we start hearing pre I don't think that's good, but uh, I mean, that's what <laughs> I we don't get. either. I don't that's either. That's what we get with VAR. Uh, let the humans be humans, huh? Would, would they have read... <laughs> Would they have replayed the quarterfinal between Argentina and England if there was VAR back in 1986? Don't you often think <laughs> of, of that, that if there were VAR, in certain, if first that comes to mind, of course, is the hand of God, but, but how things would have, Thierry Henry, how things Game would have early, changed yeah. in, the, in the history of the game? Those are, those are like history-changing yes. yeah. moments, you know, if it's, there were VAR. It's yeah. like the time machine going in and changing things and the, the entire vortex of our lives will be I may not be here interviewing you if that's true can you, I'd also like to think about the the VAI conversation of the fourth official 
was at the Azteca that day, and then he goes, ah, oh, you may want to take a look at this. Uh, I think he handled it. And he goes, oh, okay, and he walks over there, and the shame that he must feel. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. And the, you know, the great pictures of Maradona, and the oh. whole Maradona in Qatar, you saw it, like the, the Maradona big banner was being carried around by the Argentinian supporters yeah. all over the place because of 86 in particular and him hoisting that trophy being held on everybody's shoulders. None of this happens. None of it happens. How about that? I don't know. Maybe I'm not a soccer fan. By the way, I, <laughs> I, I jumped ahead. Just, I'm too excited having a conversation with you, Glenn. But I want to get back to New Jersey because I forgot because when I did games... It always it, goes back to Jersey, it by does the way. It's the six degrees, man. You, if you say anything about soccer, I'll bring it back to Jersey. All right. All right. So... New York, New Jersey, we'll, we'll call it that for now for all argument's right. sake. It's in New York, and I think one of the big parts they wanted was the uh, urban transportation or the, uh, the the transit that will allow people to move from one place to the next, which I think is great because, by the way, L.A. hosted the 94 World Cup final. They hosted the 99 World Cup final, uh, two women's World Cup finals. So it was probably someone else's chance as much as I'd like it to be in L.A. Uh, the reports were it was going to happen at Jerry's World in Dallas, and then maybe that's what separated – look – I'm a believer you put it where the tourists want to go and people want to go to New York all due respect to North Texas. If you want to go to LA, they want to go to New York, they want to go they want to go to San Francisco, they want to go to Las Vegas, which is not one of them. Well, I love the Rose Bowl by the way. You yes. like I, I don't I don't want the World Cup final at SoFi. So Oh, SoFi's amazing. Okay, I haven't <laughs> been there yet. I'll I'll get there at some point. But I I uh, along the way I saw this overhead shot uh, during the World Cup in 94 uh, of, uh, of the Rose Bowl just packed. And it's just such a, it's a, it's, it's a it's mausoleum, man. It's like, a, or maybe that's the wrong use of the word. I, I suppose there are some dead bodies under there somewhere. But, <laughs> or nearby. <laughs> or There's a little but, river running around there. <laughs> but it, it just, it had such a great feel. And, I, you know, I wouldn't have minded if it were in the Rose Bowl. But I, I personally didn't want it in SoFi. And I'm telling you, Max, uh, you know, I know, no, I know somebody that was in that room, and you know the the Dallas, uh, where Arlington is really yeah. where it is. That you know, at about midweek, it was still it was leaning be in that direction, yeah. man. But you know, well, things happen. Hey, and you know, I think it's a, t I think more than anything, I mean, there's a lot of factors, but the fact that in Europe they'll be able to watch it at a at a fairly normal time sure. the games you know sure. and i think that had to be a factor that is a factor but i hope we get some late games i hope we get like some 7 p.m. eastern time kickoffs yeah. for us i know it's yeah, for sure. us because we always get we always get hosed in that picture of course let someone else get the 4 a.m. i can never get used to watching the news at it's like, oh, I missed the news, cause, or, or I missed that game, <laughs> before I realized it's three hours difference. Remember, I mean, everyone suffered during the 2002 World Cup, obviously, but we had it really bad. Games were usually oh, 2, 3 a.m. Impossible to watch that, but we I, did. And I, the USA had a run, so we had to watch that it. That Germany match, I do remember setting our, I think, Eastern time, it was like 4.30. Or it was really early. Yeah, yes. it must have been yep. terrible for you guys. Well, well, I remember I was at a bar. Or you and stay up. You just stay up. Yeah. Well, we stayed up, and at 2 a.m. is that's a joke. Max what? was at a bar. <laughs> what's the What's the next line? Actually, it could be. Max, that was every game at that no, World Cup. No, Max Bro Bredos walked out of a bar, and then that's it. That's the joke. Oh. <laughs> it's like the Irishman walked out of a bar. Good thing, thing. Okay, thanks. <laughs> 
Anyway, 1.30 was last call. They took our drinks and they go, you don't have to leave. I go, what can we order? Well, you can order the menu. Well, I had dinner. I go, what was it? Well, I ended up having tea, which I don't drink tea, but I drank tea watching. It was, it, was a, it was one of those moments where I had to stop myself. I'm watching a World Cup quarterfinal and I'm drinking tea. <laughs> so it, was well, very, it was the only time it's ever happened. Well, those were great moments too. In, uh, but the fact that it's coming back to the States, just yeah. in general, uh, and Canada and Mexico, and the fact that they're each getting 13 matches, I mean, Monterey is going to be a sight. I mean, I, I still have never been to Monterey. I don't know if yeah. I, but I want to go to a, a game there and just look at that mountain. Because people I, post that photo so often that I we have to. Everyone yeah, says, this is what they're going to do in Monterey. But it's real. I thought it was Photoshopped the first time I saw it. But it's real. Monterey's crazy because there's a lot of money there. You think of Mexico. Mexico's economy is doing pretty well, by the way. Uh, but I stayed there once to call these fights. And people are upset about a call. This is great. The fans are really into it. You love hey, to see got it. Got a Jersey boy here, Jake Derwinski, Jake Derwinski, right in front of us. Yep. Spent his time in Vancouver. That's right. Jersey now. He's back here. That's right. Um, what was I going to? I lost my train of thought. But, uh, Sorry, Max. <laughs> Age? You're younger than me. That's what you sh that sh This shouldn't happen. Uh, well, I, while I think about that, my initial question, which I didn't ask, was, is the public what, what would the public it take the public transport from New York City to go to MetLife? Because I remember when I would go to games Giant Stadium, they'd drive us there. But I yeah, no. Well, no, they've added um, New Jersey Transit has added a, uh, trains out of Secaucus for any oh, okay. event uh, at the Meadowlands, MetLife. How long would the it last take? one I went to, actually, I went from Secaucus to, for it was for a Springsteen concert this past summer. You and, are Jersey. Uh, oh no, Springsteen, babe, <laughs> Springsteen, and Tom Waits, who by the is from is Jersey. Jersey. Yes, he is. Oh, I love Tom Waits. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't perform much anymore, unfortunately. I uh, so, and, but they're also going to enhance that. So there's going on on game days. There's going to be sufficient transportation to get to uh, to MetLife Stadium. So uh, and and they've got it's a lot not of like time jumping on the subway, obviously. No, gotta, no. You got to take a. a it's the caucus is this hub. So from New York, if, you, if people are right. staying in New York uh, or Connecticut or wherever they or or Jersey, you know, you get to this hub and then you can get in from there. So. How long would it take, you think? Oh, well, it depends on where you are. Right. But say they have to go to Secaucus. That's quick as Secaucus. So there. let's say you're saying to Manhattan. Is what that about, what you're saying? Let's say, okay, Manhattan, Manhattan. So you go to Hoboken and then you. No, no. You go Manhattan to Secaucus. You take the New Jersey Transit to Secaucus and then you switch and go to MetLife. It's probably 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's good enough reason for me to have it there. Uh, we were. Oh, well, I was going to say this about the Rose Bowl. That shot of the 94 final. You see just all the people. And yeah, it's yeah, so, yeah. That is one iconic. I mean, that is one of those ones where you just like. I, how many people were there? Was it a hundred? Yeah, it was close. And that uh, is a very—I mean, that is a very—I mean, if if you were going for a World Cup final in the Rose Bowl, it'd be interesting to ask those people that are there. To get in would probably take you—you're gonna have to drive—probably take you an hour and a bit. To get out, yeah, you're probably looking at yeah. two hours. Yeah, Easy. yeah, that's that's a factor always. Wow. You know, uh, but any any largely attended event—I mean, if you're driving into MetLife Stadium, it's gonna take you a long time to get out. So yeah. of course. You go and you have your pregame in the parking lot, and then you have your postgame in the parking lot, and you make a day of it, man. Postgame, yeah. Post -game. Oh, and it might be, it might be like at four o'clock or something. It could, it could or be three o'clock because they're gonna Kate, they're gonna look after everybody else, you know. FIFA. How great is the opening game? Is at the Azteca. I really like that yeah. because you know, you know, and I, I didn't follow it closely enough then, but the fact that there were a hundred and fourteen thousand people at the World Cup final at Azteca in 1982 is is remarkable. Uh, I mean, that, that must have been nuts. 
to have be ever been in that sort of facility. Yeah, so many places to go. It's going to be very memorable. I wanted to say, this is what I was going to say earlier. Right. I was talking about Monterey. I did. Well done, Max. I was talking about Monterey. And I remember outside my hotel, there was a Maserati dealership. And on top of it Whoa. was a, a Tesla dealership. It was all these brand new cars. It was, it was pretty impressive. So I was looking at, it's the biggest World Cup ever. So nine games in Dallas, eight games at MetLife, eight games at SoFi, eight games in Atlanta, seven. And I was thinking, I forgot also that there's 13 games. Is it 13 games each? In or, Canada and Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I thought it was like th I thought initially it was like three or four games, but that's well, a good chunk. I remember hearing 10 at first, so uh, I think both those numbers are higher than they might have expected. I think. I don't know if they would have done this, but maybe they could have added. A, I mean, added a couple other venues because seven, eight games is a lot. Yeah. Maybe if, if you're in Chicago or you're in Las Vegas, you have two games or. SoFi has six, and the Rose Bowl has two. I know that's not how FIFA works, but there may have been an opportunity there to really uh, enable or in just invigorate a lot of places. Maybe an MLS, yeah, not an MLS stadium, but maybe something. They do have some MLS stadiums, but maybe the smaller ones. Yeah, Toronto. Um, you know, Toronto's, Toronto's going to host a game. You know, BMO, I don't know what they're doing. Are they getting they, a Canada game? Huh? Are they getting a Canada game, or is no, that Vancouver? I think, ooh, uh, I think they are. No, they are, yeah. I think the first Canadian game is... Uh, is that the is that BMO? Oh, brilliant. But they're adding. I, I forget what they're. It's going to be fifty something. I think capacity once they add everything, the auxiliary seating or whatever. This is I, this is a great conversation. But I did want to ask you about yes, coaching in the United States. Where have the breakthroughs come that you you really happy? You said, all right, we're getting better. We know this is something that we don't have the numbers that they have for the 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 nations that are winning World Cups, where they have coaching from the professional level all the way down to the kids. Um, where is it, do you think, where is it the breakthroughs have occurred and where would you like to see those that should happen in order for the goals to be achieved? The big, big, uh, no, the big ticket goals. Well, well <laughs> but I'm going to be a little more esoteric, I think. The, Bring um, it on. The, I think the biggest breakthrough, but it's got a long way to go, is for the American coach to, uh, well, listen, to learn, and many do, because I think we have a lot to learn still in order to figure out how to go about things and be in control of our teams, be in control of our parents, yeah. uh, and understanding that um, you need to get out of whatever bubble you might be in in that certain period of time that you're coaching. Uh, and I'm happy to say, and a lot of this is through my show, that I've talked to a lot of people who are seeing good things around the country in terms of coaching. But we still have egos ahead of personalities in, in the coaching realm. And it's though, those egos, those people. I'm going to tell you a story. Claudio Reyna was sporting director and, and of New York. Take your time because we've eaten up the whole half here. They're at <laughs> halftime now. <laughs> Claudio Reyna. He was the sporting director of New York City and became pretty. And I knew Claudio before that. He's a Jersey boy. And um, he was telling me a story uh, about, and, and he traveled around our country and other countries because he really had a focus on the academy in New York City. So he was trying to get different opinions on, on how things were. And he said one of the more frustrating things for him, and this is like 2018, okay, is going around our country, he would meet so many U14 and U15 coaches who he would try to have you know, educational sit-downs with who, as he put it, knew it all, ah. so you don't have to tell me 
And then he would go, and I think he was describing uh, somewhere in Spain, he's going to their U12s, 13s, 14s, and sitting with those coaches, and they're asking him questions about wow. how it's done in America. Amazing. So that they can get an idea. So what they're doing is they're receiving all the information and then making concrete decisions but they're listening. They're accepting. Well, that's a great example. Because I love you that. could be in Spain and say, "Oh, Americans, you know, I'm not going to listen to them." But it's but it, it should be complete. If it was going to be the opposite, and it we're should not be doing that. completely the we're opposite. We're like, "We know it all." No, and that's that's in, uh, in it, general, and I don't want to. I'm not going to say you know a majority of the coaches, but there's still too many in authoritative positions who can't be told to improve or be evaluated or or things like that. And I think Max, until we do that, and until we get a parental understanding that if on the third day of my training week I just want to throw the ball out and play a kick around or street soccer because well the the eight what nations that have won World Cups, all their best players played probably about 14,000 hours of street soccer before they got into any organized play, that it's an important component of development and not say, well, you're not coaching. Why am I paying all that money? You're not even coaching on Friday. You're just letting them play. Well, yeah, that's development. So we've got this really, really awkward mentality when it comes to I mean, our there's game. There's some breakthroughs happening. There are there breakthroughs are. happening, uh, but we've got to... We've got to break through certain barriers, and that is one of them. That really is one of them. And you you name the great player that you've followed over the years, Max, and I guarantee you, you rewind to their youth, and they just played in the street, played pickup, and their father taught them how to play the game. Case closed. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a quick, easier fix. I'm not going to say an easy fix, but it seems like something that you could really dig in and tackle. Uh, but you need, people can't be stubborn. People can't be stubborn. Yeah. They gotta be open to it and say, I don't, maybe I don't know everything, but that's, that's easier said than done. Yeah. But like I said, I, I am, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged that the, I, I talk to and, and follow a lot of the MLS uh, Academy stuff that's going on and MLS Next Pro. And I think there's some, you know, there's a lot of very good people. USL Championship, USL Academies. I've talked to a lot of people within those realms. So I, I think there's a lot of good out there. Yeah. But it starts with the grassroots, moves its way up. And, you know, are we able to, through this pay-to-play system, which is never going to change in the States. So don't stop yeah. talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, how do we maneuver it so that we get uh, a greater effectiveness for, for our players? People probably don't want to hear that, but that is uh, the, the God-honest truth. That is, we're here. It's not things... Uh, I think there's a lot of naivety with people when they look at it. Maybe things will change in a small way, but they feel like there's a flip of the switch and all of a sudden it all changes and we're, we have this and we have that it, as they do in other countries and we can't, we can't just it's interesting. think that way. Yeah. I interviewed the uh, Monroe College coach recently. Uh, they've won, I think, four of the last five National Junior College Championships on the men's side. And he's got a very international roster. This is in New York. And he talked I was about, about the, to got, say, I was going to say, is that Monroe, Florida? There's no, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, uh, and he's got a lot Monroe of Monroe County, Florida. Well, we get good at the kickball. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what they sound like. I, that and was I'm from Max. Florida. I that was Max. That I'm was from not Florida Glenn. originally. I could that say that. That was not me. <laughs> I, I could be obnoxious, but that was not me. So he talked about his Brazilians. He goes, these guys, they did not play an organized game of soccer, most of them, 11 aside. 
an organized game of 11-a-side soccer till they were like 14 or 15. Imagine that. We would, people would be like slitting their throats here yeah. to, in, to, to could even have any consideration of not going to 11-a-side, you know, at what it is, 12 years old. And, and, you know, and there's important components of 11-a-side, and he admitted that. But he said, these guys, it doesn't take them long to be... Gel. To be yeah. uh, as as I talked about with Luchi Gonzalez, uh, you know, you know, structuring his side. Matias Almeida gave him a lot of credit for the personality of the players that he took over at San Jose, and then he talked about structure. So, how long did it take him to get a structure? He's still working on it, but they made the playoffs last year, yeah. which I hadn't done in a while. So, you can do it. You know, the, those those things that the Brazilians have, for instance, you know, that we can't teach. They. A lot of that they get on their own, but you can now you structure them, show them how to defend, and if they're willing to do it, they're going to make it. If they're not willing to do it, they're going to go back home. I mean, that, that's 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 it. There's a lot of evidence there on uh, how to find that success. We we actually we were, were here and they had the semifinals, the Afcon, and we're talking about South Africa, and it's, it has to do some of the coaching, but they did the best they have done in two decades, and uh, part of it's they all these guys play together. That they, I mean, the whole the whole team pretty much is this, is in the South African top tier, which you know is not considered. I don't know where it ranks in terms of leagues yeah. in the world. Not high. And, and but I think I think I read where seven or eight of the players played on the same club team. It could even be more. I, I but I, it just resonated with me. It's just like yeah, yeah. Well, and doesn't Qatar, that make sense? Qatar's doesn't the same that make thing. sense? They all play in the top league <clears throat> in Qatar, and they're. Yeah. You're seeing. I don't know how that equates here in the U.S. It may be a, an op uh, yeah, opening hard, a can yeah. of worms with MLS yeah, versus hard. Europe, but. I don't know. There may be not. There may not be a right or a wrong way. All right. Well, it's a. It's 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 always good to discuss all these things yes. and, and just stay. You know, have an open mind. And uh, you know, I'm not. Who we don't all know it all. I mean, uh, I've got so much more to learn about the game, Max. And since I retired from Rutgers, that's a, that's for, that's, I, that's I, refreshing to hear you say that. Well, I mean, I I, I get these. I, I get to talk to coaches, nutritionists. Uh, physiologists, uh, performance coaches. I, I talk to these people every week, and it really opens my eyes sometimes. And and I, uh, you know, it's I, I always use the um, John Wooden. Uh, my favorite quote from John Wooden: "It's what you learn after you know it all that counts." And if we all keep that in mind, I think we'll I think we'll all be better off. You know. Glenn Crooks, check out the Coaching Academy on SiriusXM, uh, and we'll see you out and about on the road. And you'll be doing New York City FC. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming out to L.A., but only not for LAFC, LA Galaxy. I don't know if you'll be around for that one. but uh, Maybe I'm calling. Maybe, we'll yeah, see. Maybe you're calling it. I get to do some Galaxy games by the, the, by the grace of God, Apple said. They let you in? They let me in. Last oh, year they oh. did it. This year I believe they will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad. It means one less time to go to the airport. We'll be back with much. We're at the Coachella Valley Invitational. A lot to discuss. We'll also get to back to the uh, conversation about the Lionel Messi tour ahead on Check Complete. As you can hear by the smattering of applause, uh, the day is done here at the Coachella Valley Invitational. Uh, St. Louis City won LAFC. Zero. And I must be in the right place because it's bringing together the finest of people. The one and only Brian, born Slippy, which I had no idea for a long time. That's that song by That's uh, Underworld. Underworld Spotting. Which I saw in the bowl once. We were really good. I wasn't aware of that. You know what's funny? I actually saw them here at Coachella last year, <laughs> funny enough, and brings us back out here. How were they? How was the set? It's, it's incredible. It's it's really a basement kind of 3 a.m. kind of vibes, you know, not not everybody's taste, but once you're in it, 
Uh, it's a sensory overload. The best way I could describe it. If you've seen Train Spotting, you'll know what I'm talking yeah. about. Brian, uh, I remember year one of LAFC. He ran over to me and he, what was it? He said, "You're the worst announcer." And then I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I did say that. I meant it with a lot of. There <laughs> might have been some Guinness involved. I mean, I was watching EPL that morning, uh, and that kind of led into the tailgate. So you know, I, I didn't mean it. You become a big stapler. I love you, Brian. You're the man. Uh, you're become a big stapler with LAFC. You come to the. You are what I think every club would love to have someone who is engaged who knows the club who gets other people excited who makes appearances at games whether it's a regular season game whether it's a road game whether it's a preseason game in Coachella because <laughs> I think I'm doing a service because I came out here but you know people do this because they love the club how does why is that I mean you did that with Chelsea why is that being a fan and being keeping up appearances what's the best way to to maintain that, that incredible track record. The, the best part of it all is it, it really isn't about keeping up appearances or trying to be that person. That was a it's bad just, choice of words. No, 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 don't worry about it. It's, it's just about the love for the sport. And, you know, I'm, I'd like to say I'm, I'm on the end. You know, I'm not saying I'm bipolar over here, but if I really love something, you know, I'm really going to love it and show my appreciation for it. And that's how I go with everything. I'm very passionate about things, very passionate about the, the way I go with things in life. And LAFC happened to be a component that stumbled on here. I. And I, I no other choice but to embrace it and to, you know, sort of blend it in with my already crazy. You know, I wake up in the morning to watch Chelsea sometimes. Uh, sometimes it links up with the LAFC tailgate and I got to <laughs> kind of plan out the whole next two days around this. And, and I'm blessed to be able to have, you know, a job that kind of works around it. Otherwise, to be the worst employee ever calling out all the time. <laughs> Can you imagine that? But it's it, it's really just dedication and love for the sport and for the club and just falling in love with it. And it it's a good life. It's a, it's a great life. We, we do what we can. You know, we take we, we put the fun in the monotony. You know, you have your nine to five. You, we all got lives. We all got things going on. We all got bills. But this kind of takes the air out of it. This kind of gives you an incentive to keep on going. That's brilliant. But you also like create content. You get people excited. You you remind people of what's going on or, or you know, if there's a signing. I mean, you, you get better traffic on your social than I do. And you're like, it's, you know, a signing and, and it's laced with humor and uh, it just really smart um, takes. It, it's all it's all that you know that being a millennial, you kind of you're a sponge. I got to learn from you, millennials. <laughs> you kind of absorb from what came before and what is to come, and you kind of just try to survive and try to make the best of the moments. You know, it's not an easy world we live in, and being creative, making jokes, making light of things, having fun at matches. That's what we're about. That's how you make life better. That's how you make it a fun place even though the things around you may not be going the way you want them to. How many Coachella music festivals you been to? I've been to Coachella since 2009. Nonstop. Uh, it's not snuck in. I've the la in. yeah, yeah, the, well I wasn't 18 back then, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, the last few years I've been fortunate enough to be in, in a working position with them now, so I'm kind of retired from coming to Coachella. Also the lineups have changed a bit. You know, my, I'm not saying I'm not a Harry Styles guy. Not 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 a big Harry Styles. Hey, but Blur is actually coming back. I saw uh, that. <laughs> so but it's like you can get by without hitting the headliners and go see some of the the back the side sh stage shows. There, there are some good and have a good show without having to maybe and maybe it's a blessing for an old geezer like me. I don't have to stick around till midnight 1 a.m. Yeah, you do have standouts in, in in the undercard. You know, last year they had Los Fabulosos Cadillac. They played at I think 1 p.m. Uh, it was about 105 degrees out here. Those guys were baking because, you know, they're used to the cold in Argentina. Uh, but it was beautiful to see, you know, the Mexican, Chilean, uh, Argentinian culture that came to Coachella just to see them out there. You know, it was a crowd about maybe 200 people just 
going in for these guys. So there, there is a fan base for every single act on that bill. And that's what I love about the How festival. much of the Fabuloso Cadillac songbook do you know? I know like three songs. I know. And if I heard Matador, I would insist they played it twice. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, everybody tends to go to Matador or Siguiendo La Luna. I don't want to be you know, very superficial, but I am. Uh, uh, there's a El Satánico Doctor uh, Cadillac, one of my favorites. Uh, Quinto Centenario. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It talks about you know Native Americans and uh, Thanksgiving and so on and so forth that I'm not going to get into. But uh, they, you know they, they, they've been around for a very long time. They're very extensive catalog, they're, and they're great to see. They yeah. they played the bowl recently. And oh, amazing. I saw I saw some uh, some people's photos the day that happened. Yeah, we always see it on socials, right? Story scrolling. <laughs> well, there was a question. Reason I asked you this because how weird is it to be here for this preseason when you know that there's you know there's a nice turnout here. Like, like maybe 1,500 people, maybe more. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really good with eyeballing this. But at Coachella, it's like, you, you, it's like an hour wait to go to the bathroom. I went right to the bathroom. And it was the cleanest, right? It was the cleanest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, don't get me wrong. I got reverse PTSD here. It's like, well, that's where I went missing after, like, my 10th beer at, like, 3 o'clock while, you know, Blink-182 was getting up and ready. Or I saw local natives over here, and now there's a soccer goal there. Or yeah, I was just seeing Bad Bunny zipline across the stage, and now I'm seeing, you know, Hugo Yoriz suit up over there it's, it's kind of crazy it's crazy seeing all this and seeing the debauchery that goes on during these festivals and right now seeing it all cleaned up and kind of looking just like your average uh, sports complex out here in the middle of the desert one one minute you're in the world cup final as a goalkeeper 14 months later you're at the coachella valley invitation you're in in the middle of <laughs> indio i mean i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell hugo right now you want to go hit spotlight 29 and you know throw some on blackjack or something because i mean it's Spotlight's right, a casino correct Spotlight's a casino uh it's one of one of the uh indian casinos out here uh it's actually right more, the man. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of exploring you do the last time we came to the coachella invitation we actually hit the spotlight fantasy springs and Caliente on the same yeah. day it's a good time I mean, for an hour, you could be at Joshua Tree, one of the best national parks in the country. Two hours, you could be at Big Bear. Idlewild, you could be here in an hour. Uh, casinos, I mean, there's a lot to offer here. And it's like you could be back in the city. Well, I'm going to get some rush hour, I'll probably be three hours plus. But it was two hours to get here. And not only that, the important thing is over right now in Los Angeles, as we speak, it's gloomy. It's dark. It's probably still rainy. The sun's out over yeah. here. I mean, the weather is not bad at all. It's cold, but it's not cold, freezing right? cold. Okay. We, it's it's like a little mini vacation we're taking on a Wednesday. You yeah. know, shout out to those who have to work and stuff. But we're 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 out here. We're living life. It's you know it, it really does feel like a day off. How are we feeling about MLS? We were talking before we started recording about you know the process, the progress, and you being with. Uh, when was the first time you got the hook in for MLS? When you started noticing and watching games? All right, this is uh, <laughs> oh, no. this is the origin so story. <laughs> origin story is my my father has been a long life uh, rest in peace, uh, LA Galaxy fan. Uh, and yes, of course. We're, we're doing our podcast. Where we can take photos. What's your name? Pilar. Pilar. We've Pilar met before. Joy. Yes, we have. We're taking a photo with Pilar. Pilar say hi to everyone on, on the soccer OG. Hello, everybody. This was such a great game, although we didn't win, but it was still awesome to see the guys play out here and start <laughs> cheering, practicing for the real, our first game. So it was awesome. Great take, Pilar. Thank great you. That's take. my sister's name, by the way. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Pilar Barretos. Next to Max Barretos. Pilar Jordan. All right. All right. <laughs> cool. See you guys. See ya. Yeah. Bye. So, yeah, um, you know, my father. <laughs> Father in his time was a you know a diehard Galaxy supporter, and I, I I was always that son that wanted to go but against that's the That's awesome, the origin story because you that's how it gets I want to go against out. him. I want to go against him, so I support Chivas Guadalajara, and I would tell him I'm never going to support anything in the MLS unless they're playing in the city. And sure as hell, a couple of years later, 
LAFC comes along. Well, maybe like 14 years yeah. later, LAFC comes along. And uh, it really just it was like a melting pot of culture for every everything in Los Angeles. Yeah. All of the Premier League awesome. heads got into it. You know, having been uh, supporting Chelsea for a very long time now, in, interacting with you know, the Arsenal supporters, the Man U supporters, all that. They all brought all of their distinct flavor from wherever the hell they were. And they yeah, poured it. Look at that, double, double, double dip. <laughs> they poured it toward LAFC. The whole community really backed the club, and it, you really do feel at home. I don't think you know my dad would be too mad at me for going the other way that he did. Uh, he loves the sport. I mean, there's a love for Guadalajara. I just I, that wasn't my thing. I couldn't get into it back then, especially when they had the shootout. Uh, I did watch it, but uh, it's a different story now. Uh, we're we're getting world class talent world-class facilities there is an emphasis more on the sport as opposed to it just being entertainment or shock value so on and so forth we've got Lionel Messi in the league we're gonna have to compete with that but here in LAFC we're doing something different we're getting some talent we're getting some young and up-and-coming talent exciting talent mixed with world-class winning uh experience it's it's hard to be excited. excited very excited what about I mean because there's was fans there's a lot of kids that were here from local schools I mean just getting fans in the SoCal area because this is so fertile it's not just for players it's for fans, right? It's like the Inland Empire, uh, Riverside. You could do the San Bernardino, um, the high desert fans, and then just spanning spanning the net. What's going on? Right? I mean, are yeah. we getting there? I mean, that's a, that's a big job. We're getting there. You got, you, it's, 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 it's a win-win for us because not only are they growing up to support LAFC, not only are they excited to watch the kids, but you never know if these kids are going to grow up and become the next superstar for LAFC. These guys may be repping the badge in a couple of years all over from that excitement you cultivated from wanting to watch the team play. Brilliant. I'm excited. So you can follow Born Slippy, but it's spelled B-R-N. B-R-N Slippy. Uh, we also got uh, Slippy FC in the works. That's going to be my pod. Up and coming. Uh, I swear I'll get started on it eventually. Gonna, good. Invite me on the pod, okay? Oh, of course. Of course. All right. You're going to be the first guest. All right. <laughs> I don't have to be first. <laughs> get your maybe second or third. Get my wings. Yes. Boris, I'll be here at the Coachella Valley Invitational. One, uh, I, I truly adore this guy. and are going to see the National. Yeah, we still got I've, I've The National, I got a little. I, I used to be a big fan, and now I'm like a lukewarm fan. Is that because it started teaming up with Taylor Swift? Or? Yeah, well, no, that was before they started teaming up with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I started watching them everywhere, and I you guys have to bring it down a notch, but I'm down. We're going to see a show. We, we have, have to see it. We have to. I am going to see I got tickets because Morrissey canceled. Water is what? So, <laughs> so I'm going to see tender, Sweet Hooligans, Sweet and Tender Hooligans, tender hooligans. Saturday at the Terragram Ballroom in downtown. I might I might join. Pop me over. Join. I'll be there. I just got tickets uh, like two hours ago. Sounds good. All right, I'm in. I'm we'll in. be back. Hey, we'll be back. We're gonna have what are we gonna have next? We're gonna have check complete. We're gonna talk about the messy tour. I have an interesting take, an accurate, interesting take. We are back. Time now for check complete, and we are going to talk about the worldwide tour of Lionel Messi and Inter Miami, which took him through El Salvador, the United States, Saudi Arabia, Hong Kong. Japan and it is over they do have a game remaining February the 15th which will be in uh, Miami against the boyhood club of Lionel Messi that being US Old Boys and that will be a very an emotional gathering I am sure and that's also the former club of Tata Martino um, the big club there Rosario many believe that Lionel Messi will end up there I don't think that will happen just too dangerous for him in my opinion 
He will stay in Miami. He can do a lot of ceremonial things. It just for him to play in Argentina, unless it gets a lot more stable down there, which it is, from what I understand, and there are things are improving there. But I just don't think it's it's the right move here for Lionel Messi. And you know, he he can't walk the rest of the world, and certainly in Argentina, uh, it's a different kettle of fish for him. But I'm not trying to get away from the big conversation, and that is this uh, tour which people have been consumed about. I mean, people are going out of their minds just so upset that this tournament ever happened. How dare they cancel it? This is crazy. All these things that are happening that have never happened before. Players getting injured on a preseason tour. We've never seen that happen. Guys not playing games when we thought, oh my God, that's never happened. I'm being sarcastic now, again, they, they bit off more than they could chew. If they would do it all again, I'm sure they would contract it a fair bit and, and just be a little um, bit more practical about how to map this out. But on its own merits, a tour when you have Lionel Messi is not a bad idea. Oh, God forbid Inter-Miami tries to make some money off of this because no club with Lionel Messi has ever done that before. It, it, the... It is, it's just outrageous. I mean, I'm just amazed how consumed people are. Like world soccer talk. This is the biggest disgrace. This is the biggest um, foul up. Yada. I'm like, what? It's, it's, it's none of those things. But the, the outrage. And I got to tell you, I mean, it, it's, there is an agenda here with a lot of people. Because why do they care? You have so many great tournaments going on. Why are you consumed about a tour? Manchester City go on tour, Manchester United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG. We're not sitting here consumed saying that was just awful. Granted, those clubs do it a lot better, but they've been doing it for a long time. But you got to start somewhere, right? The big idea here is to make money, to get exposure, to sell merchandise. And Inner Miami have done all of that in bushels. Maybe they should have cut a game out or two. But they did that in bushels. Starting February the 19th against El Salvador. What a, I mean, that's the one you probably think shouldn't happen, right? When's the last time Barcelona went to El Salvador? When's the last time Manchester United did that? Remember when the Brazil national team went to Haiti? You go off the beaten path. That was huge. Nobody there will ever forget it. And by the way, everyone at that point, everyone loved the tour, I think. Not everyone. Some people are like, ah, rah, rah. what are they doing? Then they went and played Dallas. In, in Texas on February the, in January the 22nd. Yeah, maybe they skipped that, but they needed something to, f- to fill in the gap to when they went to Saudi Arabia. January 29th, played Al-Hilal. February the 1st, played Al-Nasser. February 4th, played Hong Kong, select 11s. February 7th, played Vissel Kobe at the, uh, the Enormo Dome, the Tokyo National Stadium. So th- that's it. I mean, there was a lot of time. It's almost a month in between that. And look, Messi is 36. Luis Suarez is 37. Maybe they shouldn't be doing these big tours. And Messi at the end, you know, he looked tired. I go, but again, these what player likes preseason? They do it for a bit. None of these players like preseason. These players want to be home. When they shift off to the Far East or North America, that's nice for a couple of days, but no one wants to be in a hotel. Why is that different than when other teams do these? Other than the fact that they were more organized and they have it down pat. 
Uh, Inter Miami didn't get any results. One win. Okay, they beat Hong Kong. They got blown out by Al Nasser. And by the way, the Al Nasser game was supposed to be the last dance. So how come Lionel Messi is getting criticism because he didn't play, although he came on at the end, and then Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't get any criticism who didn't play at all in the stands? See, that was the bad one. By the way, I watched that game. Highly entertaining. At least the first 45. Al Halal, they narrowly lost. Beat Hong Kong, lost to Vissel Kobe in penalties. You're going to tell me you're going to... You're going to, I mean, they didn't, I think they only lost badly once, a couple losses along the way. But why do we care? Why is that an issue? That has been brought up by a lot of reputable news sources. One win. Oh, my God. Uh, The Guardian article says, the difference between uh, the big world tours and this is that Inter-Miami marketed as meaningful. Are you telling me? That they were supposed to announce it differently when they're trying to sell tickets. And by the way, the public should know better for these games. Seeing a player play in front of you is promised to no one. So why are we treating the fans uh, like they deserve something here? If you are going to take the risk of buying those tickets for a game that you know damn well anything could go haywire... Especially when you're dealing with someone who's 36. That's on you. The Hong Kong government is trying to hold MLS and or Inter-Miami their feet over the fire because Messi played six, did not play against Hong Kong, you know, and then played a little, played against Vissel Kobe. Inter-Miami does not have to show their injury report. If, If Lionel Messi couldn't play against Hong Kong, he couldn't play. That's final. Tough toodles. It just drives me insane because this happens all the time. And Inter Miami's taken to task by the media. Hong Kong, get lost. That's it. If you don't want it, you don't have it. You got a training uh, with Messi. You got to see Messi. If he came on for 20 minutes, what difference would that make to you? He's not going to... I don't know. I do know. I don't even know why I said I don't know. A lot of people are also saying that Lionel Messi... People are there to see him, but, you know, this is an Inter-Miami tour. Let me tell you something. The Chicago Bulls are Michael Jordan, but when they did well, the Bulls get the trophies. When you buy a shoe, the Air Jordan shoe, the first incarnations of it, they were Chicago Bulls covers. So Chicago Bulls are connected to that. Barcelona did tours with Lionel Messi. People wanted to see Messi. They became Barcelona fans. David Beckham did a tour with the Galaxy, and I remember he went to the Philippines. There are still a lot of fans in the Philippines from that tour back in whenever it was, 2006 or whatever. All of this is fair play from Inter Miami. They don't owe an explanation to anybody. If they're going to go on tour, no matter how they marketed it, give me a break. If you are that uh, if you're a patron and you go there, you know the risk. Stop your whining. Will they do it again? I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, the perception of these preseason tours, it, it, it drives me bananas. And I will say at the end of the day, this has been a success. It will bode well for Inter-Miami. When Lionel Messi retires, Inter-Miami are building a 25,000-seat Stadium inside of 58 acres. It's $350 million price tag. It's a $1 billion project. 
Miami is here for the long haul. Messi's going to stay with the club in some capacity, promotional, ambassador, you name it. Miami has got FIFA moving into there, their offices. There's an Argentine training facility. It, Miami's going nowhere even after Miami. This is not a flash in the pan. People are going to buy those inner Miami shirts with Messi on the back, and one day they'll buy one that says Kramaski. That's how it works. So your fall outrage, take it somewhere. I don't know. What's the next thing this American media that just looks for things to attack an endless? What's the next one? That there's no fans at the CONCACAF Champions Cup? What is it? I know it's coming. Just sit this one out. Who cares? All right, I've had enough. <laughs> it's getting a little hot in here. But I wanted to share that because it did get me a little bit bent out of shape. The Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks to everyone who tunes in on the worldwide audience. I hope you enjoyed our, our shows with different folks from all over the world. We're going to continue that. Great guest coming up, so stick around. Uh, I'm really doing, I'm very excited about our booking going on here. And we will see you back. I got to put some cream on my face, put a little too much sun out there. It was beautiful at the Coachella. But until I see you again, Placido Domingo.